0: A Chinese military general, strategist, philosopher, and writer who is credited with writing the oldest military treatise in the world, the author of The Art of War, Sun Zhu, made an interesting observation when talking about our ability to win battles and our knowledge or lack thereof of our enemy and ourselves. Here's what he said, if you know the enemy and know yourself in a hundred battles, you will never be in peril. When you are ignorant of the enemy but know yourself, your chances of winning or losing are equal. If you're ignorant both of your enemy and of yourself, you are certain in every battle to be in peril he makes it plain and makes it clear that if you really want to have victory in life over your mortal enemies it's important for you to know your enemies and equally important for you to know yourself I want to submit to you my brothers and sisters that the philosophy of this Chinese general is applicable to us today as believers in Jesus Christ. We have to know our enemy and know ourselves if we are going to live the victorious life. The truth of the matter is there are too many of us who are claiming to be Christians who are not aware of the fact that we have an enemy. And one of the reasons it's important for you to know that you have an enemy is because You don't have to fight your enemy in order for your enemy to fight you. Each one of us has an enemy who has a target on us, who has a a laser focus on us, who is trying to take us out. And if not take us out, take us down. And it's important for you to understand that because it, it really will help you to make sense in everything that you go through in life. Because at the end of the day, it is your enemy's goal and objective to not only destroy you, but if not destroy you, to debilitate you, to depress you. If he can't take you out, he wants to take you down. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, how to overcome the strongholds in your life how to overcome the strongholds in your life. We're in week five of our rooted curriculum, and in week five, the title of the week is There Is an Enemy. Now, what's interesting is it is not posed as a question. It is given as a statement of fact. In other words, the author doesn't ask, do you have an enemy? Because some of you may answer no. He wants you to know, no, there is an enemy who has you in its focus, who has you in its sight, and your enemy is trying to take you out. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? Amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Three things I want you to see today. The first one is very simple, and it's right here in the text. Number one, you need to realize you are in a spiritual battle every day of your life with your strongholds. You are in a spiritual battle every day of your life with your strongholds. Circle the word battle. One of the things that we know about God is that God has as his goal, as his objective. If you look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, It is God's plan, it is God's desire to help bring down the satanic kingdom that exists in this world and give each of us an opportunity to embrace and put into practice the kingdom of God as he has designed it, to help us fulfill our potential in him, helping us to be the best that we can possibly be. And he does that because he knows that there's an enemy in our midst. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul is concerned that the church at Corinth is not adequately knowledgeable of what it means to be in spiritual warfare. Uh, The Corinthians had judged Paul's ministry, the Christian life, and other preachers by their outward appearance. Uh, The church at Corinth was known for its carnality, not its Christian commitment. And so when the apostle Paul is speaking to them, he is concerned that they don't really understand the battle that they're in. They're looking at flesh and blood. And Paul says, no, it's not a flesh and blood battle that you are in. You are fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. And what God wants you and I to understand is that consciously or not. When we have an enemy, our enemy is always trying to get in behind the lines so he can do as much damage as possible. And he creates in our lives what we call strongholds. Now you might say, well, what is a stronghold? Uh, A stronghold literally is a castle or a fortress. It's a place that's secured. And in this context, because this is the only place it's used in scripture, when when the Bible talks about a spiritual stronghold, he's talking about a place where sin has taken root and has control and access to our life and to our living. It's a sin that has been embraced, that is locked in to our lives so that it affects what we say, what we think, and how we act. Sometimes we are conscious of this stronghold and we explain it away simply as, it's just who I am. Sometimes we are unconscious of the stronghold, but others around us are conscious of it, and so they find themselves tiptoeing around us in certain areas of our lives. But everybody under the sound of my voice does battle with a stronghold. Because here's what I've discovered. Strongholds don't always show up ugly. Strongholds simply are designed to keep us from fulfilling our God-given potential in life and living. So sometimes strongholds show up real loud and real ugly. And then sometimes strongholds show up and they'll make you be quiet and back up and retreat when you should be standing up. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. The enemy is going to attack you physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, or all of the above. The enemy is going to come at you in a variety of ways. And here's what Paul wants you to understand. Listen carefully. While the stronghold may be manifested in the physical realm, the root of the stronghold is in the spiritual realm. Why is that important? Because many times we will react to flesh and blood, not understanding the root of the problem is spiritual. So we want to get somebody else straight and we want to react to somebody else. When that is simply a ploy of the enemy, listen carefully, to distract us or to destroy your Christian testimony. Let me put a cord in the meeting part park there for a second. So I'm in a meeting, y'all, and I'm, I'm being respectful. At least I feel like I am, but I'm asking some questions. And the fella that was in charge of the meeting obviously found some offense in my question. And he went off on me in a public meeting. Y'all, it took everything I had. Took everything I had. I'm telling you, I was sitting there thinking, now what are the members of Good Hope going to think if I just walk across this table and grab, no, I can't do that. Don't do that. Jesus, don't do Jesus, stop even thinking that. Okay, well, what if I just go on and just give him a piece of my, no, I can't do that. No, I can't. I'm about to lose my mind. I can't afford to give him a piece of my mind. I'm about to lose my mind. I just, huh? oh, gee. All I could do was sit quiet, y'all. I, I was embarrassed. I mean, this, this dude, I mean, he just was all out of line. And guess what? At the end of the meeting, he wanted to apologize. And he apologized publicly. He apologized publicly. I still didn't want to hear it. No, 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 y'all, I still didn't want to hear it. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute, why I had such a hard time accepting it. Because what I realized was, this dude walked right into one of the strongholds in my life that I'm still fighting through every day of my life. Battle takes place on two fronts. Look at A, you are in a spiritual battle with the devil. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, let's read it together. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, you, around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, there are typically two extremes when we talk about the devil. There's that extreme that says, oh, that's a figment of your imagination. I don't believe in it. He, y'all, y'all portray him as, you know, having a pitchfork and two little horns and a red diaper, right? And then there's that other extreme where there's folk who see the devil everywhere and in everything. They see the devil in everything everything, everything, and they pray like the devil's in everything. Give you an example. I was at a restaurant one time, and this lady, obviously, she felt like she was very, very spiritual. She was going to pray over her food. And you know, you know, we typically say, right, you ask God to bless the food, you know, about to receive for the nourishment of our body, right? Some variation of that. This woman looked at the food, looked at the plate, and started praying. Lord, I ask you to bless this food right now. Bind these calories in the name of Jesus. Cast out every demon as i said lord jesus hold on hold on hold on how are you binding calories it's macaroni and cheese what you doing right i'm listening I'm just, she's praying at the other table y'all i'm looking like what you binding demons in the collard greens and cornbread like come on now so it's usually one of two extremes either we don't believe the devil exists or we see him in everything Peter says, just know that he is real and his job is to, if he can't destroy you, to get you to the place where you are functioning at less than your best. But not only are you in battle with the devil who is called the accuser, the false accuser, the slanderer, but B, you are in a battle with your flesh. You're in a battle with your flesh. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how saved you are. You're in a battle with your flesh. Come on, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Some people call it the old man. Some people call it the natural man. Some people call it sin nature. In your mind or in your body you are going to have to do battle with your flesh and it's interesting because here's the problem that many of us have because we can't go like we used to go and do like we used to do and run like we used to run somehow we think our flesh now has been put aside when in actuality it's not sanctification that you're experiencing it's just old age can't run like you used to run, and if you catch it, you can't do what you used to do. Come on, somebody. But you still have to do battle with your flesh. When your mind, like my mind wanted to go with that brother, when your mind wants to go, and watch this, even though you can't run physically, you can still run your mouth. Right? That's still doing battle with your flesh. The Bible says we are in battle. Look at the second thing. Number two, you need to realize you must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your strongholds. You must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your strongholds. Verse 11, Romans chapter eight. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit Who dwells in you. Now, here's what Paul wants you to understand you cannot defeat Satan in your own strength. You cannot be victorious in a spiritual battle using fleshy weapons. He says you need a power bigger than you are because you don't have enough intestinal fortitude. You don't have enough strength within yourself to be victorious on a spiritual realm. He says you've got to access power outside of yourself. That's why prayer is so important, because when you pray, you are showing your dependence upon God. When you pray, you are acknowledging that you need him. When you pray, you remember who God is, what God can do, and how you need God to step in on your behalf. He says, you need a power outside of yourselves. Look at A, the Holy Spirit fights with you. He said, you gotta learn how to let the Spirit of God fight with you. Remember what he said. Verse 11, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. So if that power is available to you, why are you trying to fight Spiritual fights with earthly weapons. He says you have the power within you. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that God makes available to you. When you are attacked, the Holy Spirit fortifies your efforts with supernatural strength. The Holy Spirit will fight with you. Y'all, I'm going to tell you the truth. When I was in that room and that man said what he said, and I already had a little sensitivity going on with some other stuff that had happened in that group, uh, it was nothing but the Holy Ghost. I'm, no, no, I'm not even going to take credit for it. I, I'm not gonna, I, please, no. I, I ain't saying because I'm a pastor, because I pray, because I read. Mm-mm, it was the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost that let me hold my peace and walk out of there and not lose my cool so y'all wouldn't be ashamed of me being your pastor. It was the Holy Ghost. It was just all the Holy Ghost. And why y'all looking at me funny like that? You know the Holy Ghost does the same thing with you. Come on, you know there's some times that you do some stuff you don't even want your pastor to know that you a member of the church acting like that. Right? The Holy Spirit will fight with you, but look at B. The Holy Spirit will fight for you. When you are tired, when you are beat up, when you are beat down, when you're unable to fight for yourself, thanks be to God that the Holy Ghost will fight for you. Sometimes you just got to learn how to stand and let the Lord fight for you. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Here's the third and final thing. We're talking about how to overcome the strongholds in your life. Number three, you must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. Everybody say fight. You must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. Verse three, second Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That word warfare is used to describe somebody who is serving in a military campaign. He says, you are in a fight, you are engaged in warfare and you have to choose to fight. Now, can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? Whether you choose to fight or not does not determine whether or not you're in warfare. You are in a war. You just have to make a decision to fight. Can I tell you the problem with most of us when we talk about strongholds? The problem for most of us is our strongholds have been with us so long. And they have been, become so settled in our lives That we embrace them as if they are our personality, as if they are who we are supposed to be instead of challenging ourselves to become what God wants us to be. How can you fight to overcome your strongholds? Look at A, ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. Ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. First John chapter one, verse eight through 10. Let's read it together. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I say, ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. You say, I don't have any sin. Liar no, no, that's not what I said. That's what God said. He said, you're lying. Matter of fact, he said, you're deceiving yourself. You're so good at running game. You have run game on yourself. Your sin has been so long with you that you don't even call it sin anymore. It's just my personality. Okay. Let me see if I can make it plain for somebody. You have an anger problem. No, no, no. You don't call it an anger problem. Folk just get on your nerve. Everybody gets on your nerve. For doing stuff, sometimes folk get you mad and they don't do anything. They don't know how they get you mad. They just know when you get mad, it's time to clear out the house. But you don't have an anger problem. It's everybody else getting on your nerves. Because after all, everybody else should know how to stay on your good side, because you don't have an anger problem. you won't call it sin. It's everybody else's fault. I was talking to one of my members, and he gave me this, this crazy picture that was such a powerful illustration. He complained because people around him wouldn't open their mouths and talk. So he would always tell his family, "Why are you mumbling?" open your mouth and talk. Telling his children, open your mouth and talk. Telling his wife, open your mouth and talk. Telling his siblings, open your mouth and talk. Why are you talking so low? Then he went to the doctor. <laughs> Found out he had a hearing problem. <laughs> but, but come on, isn't that what we do? If I can't hear you or anybody else, it's something wrong with the rest of the world. If I have excessive anger issues, it's something wrong with the rest of y'all. There's nothing wrong with me. you got to call it what God calls it. Sin. Sin. Your bitterness, call it what it is. Your unforgiveness, call it what it is. Your unresolved hurt that you have been holding on to Call it what it is and confess it to God. See, if you don't own it, you can't confess it. If you don't confess it, you can't get rid of it. Sometimes strongholds are unchecked and unconfessed sins. Sins. Can I tell you something else about strongholds? Though? Sometimes strongholds are the result of sins committed against us. So for example, if you were in an abusive relationship and maybe you were abused when you were young or you were neglected when you were young or you were molested when you were young or you were rejected when you were young and that opened the door for that stronghold to be established and you have lived your whole life living through that stronghold and you have held on to it. And so watch this. That stronghold now becomes the justification for you to sin, because that's who you are. Some strongholds are caused by generational sins that run in a family. You're just like your mama, you're just like your daddy. I ain't talking about how you look, I'm talking about how you act, right? And it becomes a self-perpetuating generational issue that is passed down from one generation to another. You gotta call it what it is. You gotta call it sin. B, repent of the sinful acts and release the pain caused by sin. Repent of the sinful acts and release the pain. Caused by sin look at acts 319 repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out repent means to actively and aggressively turn away from the areas where you have sinned you call it what it is it's sin I don't mean to pick on anybody in here when I talk about anger and if you get angry that just tells me you got a problem amen But when we talk about anger, for example, unresolved anger, right? When we talk about getting angry excessively, when you blowing up and blowing uh, your cap over little or nothing, repentance means I not only confess it as sin, but I do everything I can aggressively to stop acting that way. I call it wrong and then try to live right. I don't call it wrong and keep doing wrong and make an excuse for my wrong or blame you for my wrong. Hebrews 12 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Underline lay aside every weight I told you, you've got to repent, but you also have to release. Release means to actively and aggressively let go of the sins that were done to you in the past. Some things you have to learn how to let go of because continuing to carry them will not benefit you or the people who interact with you. Now, can I tell you the truth, y'all? Let me tell you the truth. One of the most challenging things in life is to look back to find the ugly root behind your symptomatic behavior. It's not easy. It doesn't feel good, especially if you feel like you've gotten past it. But you really haven't gotten past it. You're still carrying the ugliness with you and that stronghold is in your life. Look at C. Ask God to give you what you need to set you free from the power the stronghold has over your life. Ask God to give you what you need to set you free from the power the stronghold has over your life. A stronghold, by definition, is challenging to walk away from. It's challenging to overcome because it is a stronghold. It is a a sin-based fortress in your life, around your heart, around your spirit that is hard to move forward from, especially because it's been with you so long. So here's the choice that you have, because it is a choice. Ask God to give you the power so you can free yourself or stay in bondage. Ask God to give you the power to free yourself or recognize if you don't choose to fight, you choosing to stay in bondage. See, here's one of the challenges about strongholds. They typically are secrets. Nobody knows your stronghold, the secret of your stronghold. They just see the manifestation of the stronghold, right? They don't know the secret of the stronghold. And you have a choice, stronghold of freedom. That is up to you. Like nobody can free you for you. You've got to choose to free yourself. So you can choose to remain in Bitterness. Bitterness is the baby that anger gives birth to after anger has had its full gestation period. Gives birth to this ugly baby called bitterness. You can choose bitterness or you can choose forgiveness. Right? If your stronghold is control and you got to control everything and everybody, you can either stay in control and you're never really in total control. Or you can choose to surrender and yield and let God have control. You can choose jealousy, or you can choose gratefulness. You can choose to remain under the bondage of sexual immorality, or you can choose purity, right? So you can keep looking for love in the wrong place, or you can choose to find the greatest love of all at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why the rooted groups are so powerful, y'all. This week when you all meet and you start discussing there is an enemy and you start talking about your strongholds, my prayer is, is that your group is so bonded that it's a safe place where you can share freely and you can share openly. Now, let me be honest with you. Some people are going to share at a level that some people are not going to share at. Some of y'all are going to be really surface level in your sharing, and some people are going to go scuba diving on you. And when they go scuba diving, you're going to be like, ooh, TMI, 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 right? But here's what I've learned. The bigger the stronghold, And the more you are aware of the stronghold, the more you want to get it off of you. And the more you want to get it out of your life and you don't care who is uncomfortable hearing the truth. You remember we had our cardboard testimonies and we're going to do the same thing when we finish this rooted session on the last Sunday in June. So I didn't share my cardboard testimony. I was so busy trying to make sure everybody else was okay. Uh, and it, and it hit me the other day, uh, Deacon chestnut. It hit me the other day, man, that, uh, my stronghold has been rejection and my issue with rejection has been a lifelong issue. Now, my rejection stronghold is not helped by the fact that I am an extreme introvert. Okay, some of you may find that hard to believe, but I promise you, there's nobody's company I like better than my own. And I am so good by myself. I mean, I am. I love my wife, but my wife will tell you, like, she's like, hey, you married? What, what, what you doing? Right? because I'm good by myself, and I don't think anything about it. Like, the pandemic was a blessing for me. I, man, I was so good, right? I was so good. But, but let me show you how my being introverted feeds into my stronghold of rejection. Uh, all my life hearing no, no, you can't do this, you're not allowed to do this, just built up that stronghold. I remember distinctly, and this is why I think he's so important in my life, uh, outside of my mother, the person who was most encouraging to me in my life was my maternal grandfather. Because I remember him telling me as a little boy, he said, never say you can't, because he would always say, I want you to do I can't, I can't, I can't. He would say, stop saying can't. You can do anything you set your mind to. Don't you ever say can't. And, and so he gave me a sense of confidence that I could. Now, that didn't dismantle the stronghold of rejection because every time I experienced rejection, it would just add another block on the stronghold. So I'll give you an example. It's real simple. I'm being as transparent as I can. Man, if I went to a party and I asked the girl to dance and she said, no, I was done for the night. (laughs) No, when I say you're done, not only was I not going to ask another girl to dance the entire night, I wasn't even going to talk to anybody the rest of the night. I was going to find a corner somewhere and I was just going to sit there until the party was over. My boys got through, we're going to roll. Now, that was back in the day, for those of you who are younger, when young men actually asked young ladies to dance. And girls didn't dance by themselves. They waited until a young man asked them to dance. I know that's old-fashioned. I'm just telling you the context. And if you want to see somebody that's a woman who grew up in that era, watch her when music starts playing. Young women will get out on the floor and dance all by themselves. They're like, I don't need no man. An older woman who grew up in that era will tear the... Chair up, dancing in that chair. She ain't getting up out of that chair, though. Come on, some of y'all know I'm telling the truth. She she ain't moving out of that chair. She gonna be... Chair gonna be squeaking and straining and everything. She ain't moving. Because that's the era she grew up in. And y'all, listen. The girl said, no. That was it. I had friends of mine when I went back to a college gathering. They said, man, you remember so-and-so? I said, Yeah, I remember. I said, man, you know that girl liked you. I said, no, she didn't like me. <laughs> he said, Yes, she did, man. You just never would talk to her. I was scared. I was scared of rejection, y'all. Yeah. Now, let me tell you how that even plays out today. And how I gotta fight that stronghold even now. So I asked my wife about something. And she said, No. She didn't want to go to a certain place. She didn't want to do something. Nothing nasty or anything. But let me show you how rejection, that stronghold, will show up. She said no. So I'm like, okay, well, I ain't going to ask you no more. I ain't asking you no more. Uh Uh-uh. You're going to have to come and tell me you want to do something. Now, if you come and tell me you want to do something, I'm there. But I ain't asking no more because you said no. Now, I know what the ladies are thinking right now. You're saying, well, if I said no this time, doesn't mean I'm saying no next time. I'm not finding out next time. That's my stronghold. <laughs> y'all, y'all not praying with me. I'm trying to be real. And listen, and I told her, and you should have seen the look on her face when I told her, I said, baby, I said, you know what I realized? I, I, my stronghold, is, and I got a couple, but the big one is rejection. The big one is rejection. And I couldn't even begin to overcome that rejection stronghold until I recognized my acceptance in Jesus Christ and God's unconditional love for me, right? Now, that doesn't mean I still don't have to fight with it. I ain't pretending. I'm not delusional, y'all. I ain't trying to act like I have been totally delivered from my rejection spirit. That stronghold is still there. I'm still fighting it all the time. And I have to be conscious. I've got to make an intentional effort to, to expose myself to rejection when I know that's my stronghold. Are y'all following me? And so what I'm saying is whatever your stronghold is, you've got to learn how to combat it. It doesn't matter what it is. Listen, if, if it's anger, then you have to learn how to do battle with it and recognize that it's an ongoing battle. If it's insecurity, find your security in Christ. If it's pride, call it what it is and find your path to humility because God says he will exalt the humble and he will bring down the prideful, right? And I want you to understand that that is an ongoing battle. Sunju. you said, you've got to know your enemy and you've got to know yourself. If you want to be victorious against your enemy, you've got to know your enemy and you've got to know yourself. And I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, if we are going to win this Christian fight, we've got to know our enemy and we've got to know ourselves. That stronghold can be so strong and so ugly that even folk who are unintentional can pick at it and send you to a place that you don't want to go. You have to recognize what it is, call it what it is, and ask God to give you the power to overcome it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Um, I hope and pray, God, that somebody who is listening somebody who is watching would recognize that while it is okay to admit the presence of a stronghold it is never okay to accept it and not be willing to fight to overcome it and I pray now God that somebody who is listening that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would move to help us identify those things that have happened to us in our past that's shaping us in our present and will dictate in many ways what our future will look like. I pray, God, that you will bring to their remembrance by the power of your Holy Spirit those things from their past, those hurtful things, those painful things. Help them to find relief Help them to release it so they can walk in the truthfulness of your word. For somebody, God, right now, they look much better on the outside than they feel on the inside. And I pray, God, that you would let them know that they can be set free today. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.